listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars. This is a podcast about guitar repair, guitar building, guitar news, guitar science, and guitar opinions. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. This is a question and answer episode where we will respond to listener submitted emails. I will read the questions and Eric will try to answer them. That's right. We've got a lot of good questions. Questions about the CITES uh, rosewood restrictions, questions about pickups, and questions about uh, actually quite a few questions about pickups. Um, what else do we have? Questions about strings, questions about more questions about Rosewood, and questions about the guitars that I make, the pinup custom guitars. Ooh. Yeah. A lot of good questions. Um, what's on my bench? Shall we talk about that? Uh, I'm doing a lot of interesting repairs right now. I'm refretting a late 60s Fender Telecaster. Wow. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's about a 68, I believe, and that's a lot of fun. Maple, fingerboard, you know kind of a thick finish in that era so it makes it a little bit trickier than maybe a, a, any other refret um, with the real thick finish on the maple yeah. and then these tiny tiny frets that are hard to get out because when Fender installed them you know nowadays all frets almost th- that I know of anyway frets get uh, installed straight into the uh, slot right and Fender installed them sideways up until the 80s well wow. yeah I think we've talked about that on the podcast before, but yeah. it just makes it for a little trickier refret. I don't understand because they have they have little tangs on them, right? They have little yeah barbs, little barbs. So doesn't that just snarf up the wood as it goes through if you put them in from the side? Um. So uh, it it's gonna um, the barbs can uh, damage the wood a, a little bit going in either way, but the the big it, it, not as much as they can damage the wood coming out. Oh, I it's see. Co- coming out is when they really damage the wood. Okay. Yeah. Huh. That's why you have to be so darn careful when you refret them. So uh, what else is on your bench? Do you, have you ever seen me refret a guitar? Do you know how I do it? Yeah. You put water on the fret and then you then you heat it up with a soldering iron. Yep. Yeah, so you know about it. Uh, she knows more about guitars than a lot of guitar players do. And you're really not a guitar player. I, I can play one song. Yeah. It's pretty pretty good. You know a few chords, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a guitar player. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so heating up the the fret does what? It, it loosens the wood, or it, it? Yeah, it. Um, so you put water on the fret, and then you put a soldering iron to the fret, mm-hmm. and the water boils and gets down into the slot. And uh, also it heats up the wood in there, and the wood um, will kind of uh, release some natural oils, you know, and it just helps. So it's a lubricant. Yeah, it just helps loosen things up so that you can get the fret out cleanly. Cool. Mm-hmm. What else is on my bench? I've got another 70s Martin 12-string to do a neck reset on. Oh, no. Another one. Another oh, yeah. one. <laughs> now, this one, will, this one will go perfectly. Um... What else do I have in the shop right now? Uh, some pickup swaps and so just some general oddities and, you know, no big deals. Uh, I've got a great little Harmony Stratotone that's in the shop for uh, electronics problems. Those are so... I love those guitars, those Harmony Stratotones. Very cool. Have, do you know what that looks like? Uh, I I would assume it's a it's a Harmony electric guitar from the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can imagine what yeah. that might look like. Yeah, really cool guitar. Cool. Looks nothing like a Stratocaster. Well, that's probably right. good. Yeah. For copyright but, reasons. But they were going for the whole, you know, space age atomic thing. space age era cool. name Stratotone. Yeah. It has like a, it has like a, uh, and what's the symbol for a. Oh, an atomic symbol? An at- yeah, it has like an atomic symbol on the headstock, like a... How did I know that that's what you meant? He was just p- pointing his finger around in a circle, like... Because you know me, you can just <laughs> see inside my brain. Yeah, so a lot of good things in the shop right now. Um, we would take calls normally, but there are no calls. Ah, oh, come on, people. I know, but what I want to ask you is, did you hear... That, you know, you weren't here last week, but I did an interview with Scott... Freelick. Yes. And did you hear that interview? I did. What did you think? It's great. Is it know. is it boring to you as a non-guitar player to hear about straightening necks, or was it interesting from a technical standpoint? Do you want me to answer that honestly? <laughs> Let's take some questions, shall we? Regarding your news about the Rosewood and Sides mess, I guess a lot of people who are generally in favor of every kind of regulation are surprised when they find out how poorly the world's largest regulatory body can actually regulate a thing, especially when they can't hide behind the excuse of complexities of the digital age. I think multi-billion dollar Obamacare websites. This is lumber we're talking about, and what country's guitar makers are likely to be the chief beneficiary of huge decreases in our guitar exports due to the awful incompetence of the U.S. federal regulatory agencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I enjoy your show. Thanks for doing it. Kevin. He's right. China really is the big winner here because um, they don't regulate anything over there for crying out loud. But right. It's, it's really us taking the hit. And the whole reason they did these CITES regulations in the first place was because China wasn't playing by the rules. Anyhow, what are you going to do? I mean, that's just life. I mean, you can you can complain about overregulation and rules and you know, but that's 
that's just how it goes. Right. You know, like I just, I had to buy a, I just went and bought a fishing license. Yeah, that's. If that's a regulation. It seems pretty silly. Well, it does and it doesn't. I mean, you know, I know somebody who spends a lot of time in Morocco and he says he goes over to Morocco and they, they laugh that we think we're so free. Like, yeah, you think you're free? Go try to catch a fish. Yeah. Go try to buy uh, uh, alcohol without, a, without an ID. You know, go try to drive a car without a driver's license. You're not free. In Morocco, it's like a, it's, I mean, it's really the wild <laughs> east, the wild east. You know, you can fish without a license. You do just do anything. You just do whatever you want. Right. Yeah. So we're very heavily regulated here. And, you know, we pay the price. Uh, but if we weren't heavily regulated, we would pay that price, too. So right. there's it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. And uh, it would be nice to uh, have it kind of, you know, an even-handed exchange. But unfortunately, it's... It's it's not going to turn out that way regarding Rosewood. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, thanks for the uh, comment, Kevin. Eric and Melissa, sorry I haven't submitted a question in a while. Sometimes life can get a bit chaotic. Yeah. But I, you think? Yeah. <laughs> but I always listen to the podcast, and when I hear, yes, indeed, I know everything's going to be all right. Oh, thank you. That's great. While packing the whole house up for a remodel, I realized I didn't have time to sell my Magnetone amp, so I took your advice and brought it down to Emerald City Guitars for consignment. Jay and Trevor made the whole process super easy. I do have a question. If you have a pickup with too short of a lead to get to the electronics, what do you do? I've read many basic articles about pickup design, but the one part that seems to be missing is where do the leads originate from? Please enlighten me. Thanks for producing a fantastic podcast, and I hope the whole Daw family is doing well. Bruce in Seattle. Thank you, Bruce. We are doing well, and uh, I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, where do the leads originate from on a pickup? It depends on the pickup. What? I know. I know. I know that my my answer is it depends. All the time, but uh, that's truly the answer. It depends. If you look at a Fender pickup, for example, um, it's pretty obvious. Uh, the leads terminate right at some little brass uh, eyepieces, whatever they're called, little rivets. Rivets, yeah, tiny grommets. little, yeah, tiny little brass grommets. Eyelets. Eyelets. Thank you. And uh, the tiny, you know, the the coil wire is just tiny, tiny wire, and. The wires come out from the coil and terminate at those little eyelets, and then the uh, black and white cloth-covered, you know, 22-gauge, stranded, everyday garden-variety, uh, vintage-style cloth wire is soldered <laughs> soldered into to now no laughing sorry is soldered into the eyelets right so um, that's really obvious because you can see the mystery comes in when you look at a Gibson pickup. Or anything a little bit more unusual than that. And those can terminate really, you know, in in the bobbin itself. I mean, the uh, the uh, the wire. So, like, if you look at, at a Gibson pickup, there's a braided, uh, the you know, the, the wire coming out of it. There's two wires. One wire inside, which is your hot wire, and then the braided wire on the outside is your ground. Right? Right. And when it goes into the pickup, the braided part is soldered to the base plate, 
and grounded that way, and then the hot wire continues on and is basically just taped off uh, to a tiny little wire that goes into one of the coils. So the coils, there's two coils in a humbucker, and the way that they wire them up, they take those tiny little coil wires and they solder them to uh, plastic-covered little wires Uh and uh, then tape it off and tape the coil and then tape the wires into the coil. So it's all, like, taped up into the coil, and then there's two little wires coming out of the coil. It's all soldered internally. Right. So those are a little tougher to work on and tougher to replace leads on. But, um, you know, you, you normally, you don't have to get inside there unless there's a problem with the coil. So um, you can replace leads on a humbucker by taking the thing apart. You wouldn't want to do that on a vintage pickup. Right. Um, if you're really good, you can splice in new new wire and make it look pretty good. So, but on all pickups, one one wire is from the the first part of the the wind, right? And the other wire is from the last part of the wind. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's just one continuous. It's a start and a finish. Okay. Yeah, the inside of the coil and then the outside of the coil. Yeah, the, the beginning and the end. Right. Yeah, it's just and one continuous. So no matter how the pickup is built, that's the same. For every pickup. Pretty much. Um, you know, if there's a humbucker, then there's two coils. Right. That are one continuous wind. And there can be anywhere between 4,000 and 10 or 12,000 winds on a on a pickup bobbin. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, for just the average player, if you have too short of a lead, what do you do? Um, like I say, if you're, if you're good at soldering, uh... You can replace the leads on a fender pickup pretty easily because the solder points are exposed. Yeah. If it's a Gibson style or some some other kind of pickup where you you have to get in there and take the thing apart, you can do that. But uh, if you're good at soldering and if if you've um, if you can make a nice neat splice, you can do that as well. And you know, I hear people. I hear people critique that sometimes, you know, there'll be a pickup for sale on eBay with a really short lead and they'll say, well, you can't, if you, if you splice in a new lead, your tone suffers. And that's just not true. So you can't just daisy chain on leads. Like if you just add more lead onto a short lead, is that what you're telling me? I'm saying that, yes, you can, you can take new wire and you take the short wire coming out of the pickup Uh and attach it to... Sorry, I was misunderstanding everything yeah, that so, you were saying. So you can... You can do that. You can just splice it in there and make a nice, neat splice. Okay. It can be done. Because I was picturing doing that with, like, a wire nut, and that's probably not... Oh, God, no. Like, if you take <laughs> off a switch plate off of a... Right. Off of a light switch? No. No. Don't do that. No. No, 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 no. Okay. What is this crazy noise I'm hearing? I think kids our, are making some sort our of... Our children are playing with a, some kind of a train. Okay, I'm going to go... They should be sleeping. I don't know. I'm going to anyway. go check on them. Okay, well, I'm going to do a podcast. Uh, but, yeah, what I do, you know, on, like, Gibson-style wire, you can take that braided shield, and you can kind of bunch it up and push it back a ways, and then you can take the inner wire, 
which is the cloth covered uh, lead wire, and you can push the cloth back, right? And you do that on the, the, the lead coming out of the pickup, and then your new fresh wire, do the same thing. And you hook them together there. Oh, we're going to hear my child scream. That's nice. Yeah, it's good. And you, you can solder them together there and then put some shrink tubing on it or wrap it tightly in in some some kind of tape, electrician's tape, or I don't know. I don't, I don't really like to use that stuff, but shrink tubing is what I like to use. And then you can push the uh, braided shield back and together and connect it together and then um, take another another wire and wrap it on one side of the joint and wrap it on the other side of the joint and solder it all together. And it makes actually a, a pretty neat um, splice. Not the, not the best thing to do, but it's perfectly acceptable when you don't want to take apart a pickup. So that can be done. And Melissa's back. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Sorry. Shall we do another question? Hi, Eric and Melissa, and greetings from Australia. Hope you are both well, and thank you for the show. There's a guy on the net who's been doing some interesting work lately, and I've been keeping an eye on his posts. He's built and bought a bunch of tools that let him analyze aspects of pickup behavior and construction that are pretty much obscure but important. Basically, he's trying to demystify pickups, to my mind, a noble cause. Recently, I saw this guy getting ripped a new one by some actual pickup winders. Basically, the thing was this. The guy said, according to my analysis, the coil responds this way. Pickup winder. Ah, yes, but you don't take into account my voodoo hoodoo wind that defies your silly laws of physics. Guy. The coil has X feet of wire. The wire has Y amount of resistance per foot, so the resistance is X times Y. Pickup winder says, no way. When I wind them, I can make the resistance whatever I like. The guy says, how? Pickup winder. It is a secret based on my many years of experience. Do you really think I'd tell you? And how many pickups have you ever made anyway? From there, other guys weighed in and it got really abusive. Really, it was like watching the life of Brian. So here's the payload. You've wound lots of pickups. Where do you stand on the voodoo versus engineering thing? Is a coil with magnets just a coil with magnets? Or does the special wine knowledge do the trick? Let's just talk about single coils, seeing as they have less variables and hopefully should be similar. Hopefully this won't lead to a mob carrying flaming torches storming the castle walls. Sorry about the long post, and thank you for all your work. I appreciate your generosity with your hard-earned knowledge. Regards, Brett. Thanks, Brett. I, you know, if you get a chance, you should uh, email me a link to that. I'd like to see that. But um, here's my initial thoughts from your description. Uh, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, if you don't wind pickups, you don't know things like, for example, how high, how tightly you hold the wire, especially when you're winding a pickup with very thin wire. It actually stretches out a little bit and changes the resistance of the wire, and you, you can end up with pretty radically different resistance with the same amount of turns, depending on how tightly you wind the coil, uh, which obviously affects the sound. Um, and not only that, but um, the coil being wound tighter versus the coil being wound looser also affects the sound regardless of the stretching of the wire. So there's a lot of variables that if you don't wind pickups, you just don't know about. 
and um, it's it's not a, it's not really a thing that um, you can very easily test for mm. uh, because it's more of an analog thing that happens when you wind it. So right. yeah, I agree. You know, if you take you know forty two AWG enamel coated copper wire, you can say, yeah, that has a resistance of X over so many feet. And this pickup has so many feet of wire, therefore the resistance is this. But um, that doesn't take into account how it was wound. And that really, it really does change depending on the tension. Wow. Yeah. The other thing about it is um, uh, the thickness of the coating makes a difference in sound. And that doesn't have anything to do with the resistance because uh, it's actually a capacitance thing that happens within the coil. Wow. You know, the the different different coatings of of pickup wire. Uh for example, there's uh polysol, which is solderable uh uh poly coating. Enamel coated, there's form var. There's all these different kinds of coatings on that wire and they all have different thicknesses and you can even get like you can get it in you can get one of those particular things in different thicknesses, you know, minimal uh, thickness or nominal, whatever whatever they call it. I don't remember. But the point is, the thickness of the insulation around the wire makes a difference too. And that's not something that's easy to test for because uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the resistance. Hmm. So, the truth is somewhere in between. Um, and I do believe that hand winding, getting a scatter wind random pattern on your coil does make a difference in sound as well. So, and that's not an easy thing to test as well. So, interesting stuff. I'd love to read about it. If you want to send me a link to that, I'd, I'd definitely check it out. So, uh, that would be cool. Thank you very much, Brett. Shall we take a break? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Liz here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops, going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone, from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured guitar pick of the day and reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. As you may already know, I make custom leather guitar straps. I hand make each strap from start to finish. I start with a hide of some of the finest vegetable tan leather on the market. Each hide is chosen for exceptional quality, color, and grain. If you haven't been to my website lately, you need to check it out. I've got a bunch of new strap designs and colors listed with more on the way. If you don't see the perfect strap, contact me with your custom order idea. 
Visit melcoleather.com to seek examples of custom orders I've done in the past. If you're a dealer, I offer competitive wholesale pricing. Email melcoleather at gmail.com for details. Find me on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Etsy. If you're listening to this, you get 15% off when you enter code FRETFILES at checkout at melcoleather.com. That's M-E-L-C-O leather.com. Hey guys, it's Eric. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that I've been repairing guitars for a long time. Building guitars, too. Uh, If you've got a guitar that you need help with, I really, I would love to help you. I take repairs from all over the country. Sometimes a guitar is really special and and you really are careful about who you take it to. If you don't have a person that you can really rely on in your area, I would love to help you out. It's really easy to ship a guitar these days. I do it all the time. It's nothing to worry about. You can insure it. Uh, ship it to me. Maybe you've got a repair that needs to be done. Maybe you've got a, a pickup that needs to be rewound. Get in touch with me and uh, we can talk about it. You can send me some pictures of it. We can see what I can do for you. Maybe I can give you a quote on how much it would be to repair your guitar if you send me some pictures. So let me know. I would love to help you. This is what I do. This is what I specialize in. I repair guitars. I kind of specialize in, in vintage Fender restorations, but I do all kinds of work. Finishes and pickups and electronics and neck resets, broken headstocks, you name it. I would love to help you. So get a hold of me. You can do so through my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. And I look forward to helping you. Thank you. Hey, Eric, Todd Lundberg, Lundberg here. In episode 47, I am currently and also working my way through all of your old uh, podcasts. You mentioned wanting to chat with a tech. I'm a former tour tech for Bon Iver and others who has now relocated from a large music scene in Minnesota to a non-existent music scene in rural Georgia. I was a big city fancy tech and guitar builder, builder, and now I have a build and repair shop where I repair all of the other local music stores' repairs. Total opposite side of the coin from where I used to be. Well, now that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm also a regular contributor to the Fretboard Journal. Bon Iver used ISO cabs upstage, in-ear monitors, and 62 microphones on stage. I've got stories about hot guitars in cold theaters, Australia semi-truck desert shipping guitars for two days in a steel box and that now have to play a show and acclimate in five hours, rattling tubes and amps and rattling hardware in ISO cabs where I've had to fix things on the fly or build cabinets in between your legs, <laughs> had to make five pedal boards that went straight to TV, Used tons of vintage guitars and traded out instruments with three players every song. Every every guitar had new tunings or capo positions. It was like running a race every single night. Pedal repairs between songs. Emergency jack repairs 20 minutes before SNL. Wow. <laughs> that sounds really stressful. Awesome. 30 inches of crack repair for the opening band whose guitar got squished under an amp, but he needs it to open the show. Wow. There's tons to chat about if you're interested. I know it's not a big rock and roll show, but the tech side was pretty progressive and challenging when things had to be done for practicality's sake. 
Anywho, thanks for doing the podcast. It's nice to hear and know someone who's done the change from big city to the opposite side of the coin and still digs and enjoys what they do. Cheers and thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. You know, we should do an interview with Todd. That sounds really that interesting. That sounds fun, yeah. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? I've always wondered, and I've done a little bit of that, um, but nowhere near what he's talking about. You know, I've done some stage side tech work, but not very much. Yeah. Not anything recently at all, like in the past decade. Wow. Yeah. But um, interesting stuff, man. Always, yeah. It's always interesting to hear from uh, other people in the industry because there's so many different points of view and different uh, things that have to be done. And can you imagine, like, for example, can you imagine teching f- on the road for a really picky rock star? That would be awful. Oh, can you imagine? No. Well. And, I, and I'm and i not naming any names. I'm just saying. I'm not saying Bon Iver or anything like that. I'm just saying, just, you know, pick a random, you know, millionaire, uh, billionaire rock star. And uh, yeah, they have guitar techs. Right. Oh, every yeah. one of them has, every one of them probably has multiple guitar techs. That's an interesting job. Yep. Interesting. Very interesting. Cool. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, we'll we'll be in touch. Greetings once again, Melissa and Eric. I yet again have a question, but please don't feel like you have to answer all of these. Hey, send them all in. One may be better than another for the podcast. I leave it to you to answer what feels best and that that will help the masses. Regarding strings, I know you're feeling on boutique strings and how many just plainly suck compared to the mass produced brands. I did have a major issue with a specific brand you love where I ended up with metal splinters in my fingertips. Oh my gosh. The, the first time I slid my finger down the neck, so I do not buy them. But I realize problems do happen from time to time with any product. Months of pulling metal splinters out of your fingertips will just turn you off of a specific brand for a life, though. Trust me. I still have one buried in my ring finger that twinges from time to time, but hopefully it won't migrate to my heart or anything one day. (laughs) Anyway, on to the question. How do you feel about balanced string sets? Specifically, sets designed to feel more balanced uh, to the player and and that are supposed to give the neck a, a more even tension. I started using string joy strings a while back, and that is one of their biggest selling points. I do love them, and they are my go-to strings now, but I would love your thoughts on the balanced thing. Keep up the great show. Thank you both, as always. Sean. Thanks, Sean. And a lot of companies sell balanced sets, so it's not it, that's not uh, unique to string joy. But, um, it, yeah, it's an interesting concept. You know, they decided, you know, a long time ago what, what your what your string gauges will be like in a set of tens it's 10 through 46 and if you go and you measure the pounds of tension on each string it varies quite a bit uh-huh. so what they did was they came up with a balanced set where uh there's more even tension from string to, to string oh, to make okay. it to make it feel more balanced to the player i don't know I guess it's I guess it's a valid thing. Um I'm so used to just the standard strings that I you know it's it's nothing that I would ever uh Yeah, if I if I if I had two identical str- strats or whatever with one with 
just a normal set of tens and one with a balanced set of tens, uh, I don't think that I would notice anything unusual. And somebody would have to point it out, like this one has balanced strings and this one doesn't. They, I'm sure they would probably feel the same to me. Now, I haven't done that, so maybe I'm uh, wrong, you know, but um, it's minutia. It's it's really it's really uh, uh, just stuff that I don't really think about. Huh. I'm thinking about you know bigger problems like guitars that have broken in half completely. <laughs> but no, I get it, and I think that it's um, it's a valid thing. Uh, it's just not something that I really th- spend much time thinking about. But it's you know if if it if you found a set of strings that you are that passionate about and that you think feel that much better, and it makes you play better, then, by God, that's worth it. Yeah. I mean, just sure. just go with it, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean. That's that's Sean from Allentown. Ah. I won't, I won't sing his theme song, but that's, uh, that's, that's my buddy Sean. Thanks, Sean. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I've got a new 60-style Fender Strat with the new rules on Rosewood, and it's got a Pow Ferro fingerboard. The material feels good, but I'm having trouble looking past the color, which is a lot lighter than rosewood. Not sure that I do it or not, but is there a stain that one might be able to put on to get that deep and dark rosewood color? And is that something you would ever do? Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I mean, if it bothers you, it's certainly not a crime to stain wood. I I, I wouldn't have anything against it. I don't have any, I, I wouldn't think anything wrong with it you know a lot of rosewood is stained it's it's there's there's very light colored rosewood and so a lot of people you know guitar companies they stain that darker so that it looks like the more traditional rosewood so a lot of the rosewood you see is stained anyway well yeah so i don't see anything wrong with putting a little stain on your uh on your pow ferro fingerboard but um do it take it one step at a time you know don't go nuts don't try to make it look like ebony uh, just a little bit at a time, and use something that's not going to come off on your fingers because that's going to be obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Stuart McDonald makes a good stain that you might consider. Um, it's their water and alcohol-based uh, color tone stains. And the color that you'd probably want to use is called tobacco brown. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. But dilute it. That's really powerful stuff. I mean, one little drop in a in a little, you know, condiment cup of water is 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 a good place to start. Awesome. Well, good luck, Scott. Hi, Eric. I love the podcast, and more importantly, I love my pinup custom guitar. Hey, all right. Thanks for buying one. I still I have a question for you for your podcast, even though it might be a while before I get caught up on the episodes. I'm still on number 24. How do you decide which guitars become pinup customs and which guitars become Eric Daw custom guitars? Best, John from Boston. Thanks, John. Do you think that's Boston the group or the city? Uh, That'd well, be cool. I hope it's the group. Yeah. John, I mean... are you? Did you ever play with a band called Boston? I have more than a feeling that uh, it's probably... Wait, is that Boston or Journey? More than a feeling? I don't know. Uh, 
I think that he's calling from the city, yeah. not, not the group. I'm almost positive yeah. that's, that's Anyhow, the Anyhow, um, thanks for the question. Uh, it's, it's very simple, actually. Pinup guitars are very, very specific. They are aged replicas of 1950s-style guitars, um, and each one gets a vintage Pinup Girl decal and a girl's name. So the name is on the back of the headstock, and then there is a... I, I collect vintage water slide pinup girl decals wherever I can find them. I have a binder full of them. If someone orders a guitar, I send them a video of all the available decals, and they can pick what decal they want. And uh, I probably have 50 of them, 50 different decals. I'm always collecting them. So if anyone has those for sale, by the way, I collect them. Uh, and uh, so that's what a pinup custom guitar is. It's a replica aged uh, Fender style 50s style guitar with a pinup girl on the back and it's named a girl's name. Each one of them gets a name. An Eric Daw custom guitar is anything else. So uh, I made like for example I made a, a guitar in collaboration with an artist named Terry Terrell and he painted the whole guitar body. Uh, and then I finished over that and, uh, you know, clear coated over that right. and then, and then aged it too. And then made a neck, you know, painted the neck and everything. Uh, just it's, it, I can't call it a pinup guitar because what sense would that make? Right. There's no pinup involved. Right. So it's very clear in my mind. I can see how that can be confusing to you. This guy seems to make different brands, and uh, it's all the same to me, except pinup guitars have a pinup decal and a name, and then anything else that I decide to make that's outside of that narrow parameter is an Eric Daw custom guitar. So if a customer wants a pinup guitar but with no pinup on it, it's then just... Then they want an Eric Daw custom guitar. I see. I won't make a pinup custom guitar without a pinup girl decal on the back. Because then it doesn't make sense. Because it doesn't make sense, and that really bothers me. Some people <laughs> want me to do that, and I say, no, I'm sorry. If you want a pinup custom guitar, it has to have a pinup girl on it. Otherwise, what's the point? You can't have that. <laughs> I'm happy to... It's the same guitar, but it's not going to say pinup custom guitars on the headstock. It's going to say Eric Daw custom guitars. Same guitar. Right. But it's all semantics, I suppose. I'm just that picky and crazy that uh, that's that's how it goes. Anyhow, do you like the show? Yes. Tell a friend. Share it on Facebook. Send up some smoke signals. Whatever kind of social media platform you use. If you have a moment, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It does help us reach more people, which just helps us get more listeners and more questions, and it improves the show. So participate. You can send in questions. Go to ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and you can uh, submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is call or text 757-774-8482. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Good night.